Well, good morning and welcome to our first online only streaming worship service during our renovation period, which hopefully will last uh, no more than uh, eight to 10 weeks. But nonetheless, we give thanks that you're joining us today, uh, whatever platform you choose via Facebook or Vimeo, uh, to worship with us, uh, the Christ, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus, and to receive from him the rich blessings of life and faith that he has for us as his people whether uh, you're with me here in this room, which you're not, or uh, at home uh, with your loved ones. So again, thank you uh, for being a part of uh, the life of worship at Holy Cross. A couple of announcements though, before we begin this morning's service. And again, a big thank you to the eight of those who are here with me this morning for Joan and Mary and Jonathan and Mark and Mike and Angie uh, and Barry and Marie uh, for helping out this morning uh, to make this possible uh, for us today. But uh, hopefully you had a chance uh, to check the email uh, which came in yesterday with the uh, worship resources for you. Uh, included in that email uh, is a way for you to participate uh, in today's worship service, uh, as well as uh, prayer page and announcements. So I just wanna draw your attention to a couple things uh, in those announcements. First and foremost, like I said earlier, we'll keep you updated on the renovation and when we'll be back in the sanctuary together uh, celebrating uh, this gift that God has given to us, this newness uh, that he has uh, entrusted us with and blessed us with uh, as the body of Christ here at Holy Cross. Uh, so continue to check Facebook uh, and uh, those additional emails that we send out for updates uh, as the renovation progresses. But also, uh, ladies, uh, my sisters in Christ, I want to remind you that uh, there is an upcoming women's Bible study available for you, which starts uh, January the 14th at 9.30 a.m., that's gonna be via Zoom uh, in uh, terms of uh, uh, keeping our COVID distance, but via Zoom, and you can contact Angie Nitz uh, for more information on that if you'd like to participate in that. So certainly encourage you uh, to do so as a way of keeping involved in the life of the church. But take a look at those announcements. Don't forget to sign up for the email if you haven't already, and you can do that via our website at hcdallas.org. All right. Well, again, thank you uh, for joining us this morning, and thank you to those who have gathered with me here, this small but uh, uh, bold and strong team, uh, to help us pull off our worship today for you. So, all right. Uh, well, if you've had a chance to open up uh, the PDF uh, for uh, worship this morning or download it and print it off, I want to turn your attention then, if I could, uh, to our confession and assurance of God's love found on page two of our service folder and invite you to participate with me uh, as we come before the Lord here or there uh, to receive from him uh, the rich blessings of life and faith and forgiveness uh, in Jesus. We begin on page two. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence in eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will 
and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. So it is in the mercy of Almighty God that Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue with our opening hymn, Praise to the Lord Almighty. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. What a joy it is to know that wherever we're gathered, whether here on site or scattered out into the community, you are present with your body, enriching our lives with your grace and forgiveness and mercy and power and reminding us that you will never leave us or forsake us. That though hiccups, obstacles, challenges, Lord, befall us, beset us in life, that you are there for us. That you are guiding and leading, redeeming, making new, Lord, those things in the world before us, including us. So we continue to commend ourselves to you, the call on this congregation to be salt and light in this North Dallas community. We continue to commend ourselves to you and to your care, trusting, Lord, in your provision, your direction, Lord, in your certainty in our lives as your people. So we commend ourselves to you. We pray it all in your son's most holy and precious name. And all God's people say, amen. amen. 
All right, well, we continue now with the reading of our responsive psalm. It's Psalm 29 for this morning, titled, Ascribe to the Lord Glory. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes to us from Genesis chapter 1, uh, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the word of the Lord. And then our gospel reading uh, for this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, uh, giving us the baptism of Jesus. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. All right, thank you uh, to our worship team. Uh, we as a congregation are certainly blessed with uh, wonderful musicians uh, from Bill and Joan to Mary and Jonathan and Mark and Barry and Others who participate, singers, choirs, both traditional and contemporary. And I can't wait uh, to uh, show them off, so to speak, uh, in our new sanctuary in just a few weeks. So let's pray uh, before uh, begin the message, and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity uh, to be made new. To recognize that you are doing a good work in us and will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for entrusting to us these facilities, which we can make new again as a recognition of, uh, Lord, your blessing to us as your people and as a way of bringing you glory and as a way of calling others to come and learn more about Jesus. So we pray in our series as we begin uh, today, Father, that uh, your spirit would help us better understand what it means to be disciples of Jesus, 
and what it be what it means to be uh, Lord being uh, made new being renewed uh, not only by the waters of your baptism and by the presence of the Holy Spirit but by your work in our lives within us and outside of us so we love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus's name all God's people say amen all right well grace peace and mercy to you from God our Father from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ amen amen all right, as uh, renovation gets underway and uh, we continue to experiment with worship, we certainly appreciate your feedback uh, during at least this first uh, attempt of ours uh, to uh, bring to you uh, the word in, uh, in, in text, but also uh, in music and uh, continue to ask that uh, you let us know how we might be able to make things uh, better or more accessible uh, for you uh, as uh, you're watching online. Our goal is uh, whether we're here or out there, uh, to make Jesus acceptable or accessible uh, to all. But if you think about our renovation and as it gets underway at church, we look forward to this refreshed sanctuary. It reminds us that God is constantly at work in us in a good way, forming and shaping us as a distinct people for distinct purposes. I love this text from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 9, where the apostle writes this. He says, But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I would add that it's out of that mercy that compels the Apostle Paul to say, at the, uh, say to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5, be imitators of God. Both profound statements of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be his follower, to recognize that we are saved by his shed blood, and resurrection, and then he shapes and forms us as his followers. For it was Jesus himself who instructed uh, his disciples to go and make more disciples with equal emphasis on the going and the making. But someone might ask, well, who is a disciple? Well, a disciple is someone who is Christ-like, not Christ himself, but like Christ. And that's the vision for us as God's people. It's like remodeling your kitchen, right? Or your master bathroom or a church remodeling its sanctuary. There is this end goal in mind. There is a, a preferred vision for our future of what that space will look like. And so it is with us. We are found one way in need of grace and forgiveness. And then we are made into something new. So as the Gospels give us an account of Jesus' life, you heard certainly from Mark chapter 1, the baptism of Jesus, the bulk of the New Testament letters to the churches, the various churches scattered throughout the Mediterranean world, uh, the bulk of the New Testament, it gives us an idea of what our lives can look like, what our lives are called to as the Holy Spirit works in and through us. That's why the text from Philippians is our foundational text uh, for the next four weeks. It's from chapter 1, and it's verse 6, and it is this, where Paul writes, 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion and to the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice this morning during our confession and absolution, that the confession and absolution, that we believe as we come before the Lord to receive his forgiveness and grace, uh, that we remind ourselves on a weekly basis that God is doing something within us, a good work for his glory. What will be the what will be the finished product? That's our goal as a church and as individuals to have a, a, a better vision for ourselves. Well, think about it this way. The context for uh, this letter to the church at Philippi is that Paul is relating to these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, how every difficulty that has beset him, even the work of Satan himself, how every difficulty which has been beset him has actually helped to advance the message of the and he is of the but of their work with him and with others so just as he is called so too are they called and just as he faces hardships for Jesus' sake so too will they and by extrapolation of the text across the centuries, so too will we. Because just as Paul is called to ministry, just as the Philippian Christians are called to ministry, so too is Holy Cross. So too is the body of Christ today scattered around the world. But let's look at the text for today and we'll address this question in more. And we're in um, chapter 1, but verses 27 through 30 of the text. And you have it before you in your worship folder on page 5. So I encourage you to follow along as I read it. Paul says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourself. You are only here about. I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without ever being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So you hear in the text not only a sort of uh, recollection of what he has been through, but certainly what they too are called to as well. All right, so you see in your worship materials that I have broken down the text for you, um, and it goes like this. Because Jesus has redeemed us, rescued us, we can be consistent in our message and motivation, which is what makes up our conduct as the people of God, right? Because Jesus has redeemed us, we can then be cooperative in our relationships with one another, and then lastly, because Jesus has redeemed us, we can be confident that the Lord is at work in us and for us. So let me go through those points quickly and uh, help you better understand what that means to then apply to your life of faith uh, as we seek to uh, live out our lives to God's glory and the good of others. So the first point, verse 27a, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I said consistency, right? Being consistent. So consistency in our conduct 
And our conduct then is made up of our message and our motivation. Be consistent in our conduct that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Think about it this way. The most powerful human weapon against the enemy is not a stirring sermon, right? Not a celebrity pastor's book or even a church possessed of political power. But brothers and sisters, it is the consistent life of a believer. One that is, as Paul says, even to the church at Thessalonica, one that is lived out ambitiously quiet. Now think about that. Ambitiously quiet. It's like jumbo shrimp or bittersweet, right? An ambitiously quiet life. It sounds like a contradiction in terms and even impossible in a day and age when we're told we need to build our own platforms. We need to be heard. We need to get noticed. We need to build our brand. But no, Paul says, for those who will be noticed and remembered are those whose humility and character were their message before others. Interestingly enough, the word Paul uses for consistent conduct is a word that is only used in a discussion of politics, right? Very timely, right, uh, for us. And the usage basically says, behave the way citizens are supposed to behave. So Paul will say this to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 13. Let everyone be governing authorities, for there is no authority established have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. To do so will bring judgment on themselves. So what then is Paul suggesting uh, in the text to the Philippians? Because his, his answer has implications for those who, who worship in Thessalonica, those who are in Rome, and even to you and me as we seek to bear witness to the power and love of Jesus. Well, Paul's saying this. He's saying that our citizenship is in heaven and that while on earth we behave as he heaven's citizens. And we're going to see this again in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. But that we are in essence a colony of Jesus Christ, his ambassadors. And we frame our behavior, even our responses to the sort of the political circus that we see before us in our own nation. We frame our responses to life around us with this question, Am I conducting myself in a manner worthy of the gospel? Am I conducting myself in a manner worthy of the gospel? So we ask ourselves, is what I post online worthy of the gospel? Is what I say about others who disagree with me on, on topics, is what I say about them, is it worthy of the gospel? Uh, is the character of those whom I support and follow, is it worthy of the gospel. You know, you think about these uh, protesters uh, who were fired from their jobs this past week, right? And it wasn't because of their participation in uh, protests, because the Constitution guarantees a, a right to peaceful protest. But it was because they stormed a closed session of con uh, Congress, vandalized the building, and helped bring about the death of five people. But it's uh, whether it's the looting and the destruction from this past summer uh, or this past week, is any of it worthy of the title of citizen? Certainly not for followers of Jesus. And so as citizens of heaven, we ask ourselves, do our actions, do our words, do our posts, do our behaviors honor Christ or do they defame him? Think about it this way. 
you know, for us as Christians, we do not behave in a certain way in order to go to heaven as though we are saved by our good works. But we behave in a way that is reflective of the person and work and power of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Or think about it this way. Do you have loved ones, coworkers, neighbors, people in your life that you're trying to reach for Christ? that you want to share the gospel with, that you want them to know this freedom and this forgiveness and this power that you have? Well, listen to this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You, yourself, are that letter, Paul says. Let them see Christ in your behavior, in your words, and the Holy Spirit will use the behavior and the words and that relationship to open up opportunities to share the gospel with them. Now, I think this requires some self-assessment, some soul-searching, making sure that we're not creating stumbling blocks by putting before others our idols and requiring them uh, to bow down to those perhaps like we do from time to time. But the promise is to us that consistency in godly conduct will bear fruit in the lives of those whom we love and those whom we serve. All right, next, cooperation. Cooperation in that last part of verse 27 where Paul writes, Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, Striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. And you can hear the additional words in the text uh, that drives that sense of unity. But at this point in the text, Paul is changing the illustration. He's going from a political discussion now to athletics. And he's picturing the, the church as a team. And he reminds them that it, it's teamwork that wins victories. So think of the Dallas Mavericks, right? Uh, even the best shooter on the court, Luca, right, has to have a team around him to set the shot up for him. Or this morning, the opportunity for me to preach is only made possible uh, by the eight other people in this room whom you can't see uh, and who have set this up to make this work. It's teamwork. Or another way to look at it, going back to the text, is the text tells us that the Philippian church was experiencing some internal strife. In fact, this is played out a little bit more in chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul writes this, I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, those are two women. And what the text tells us is that there is a disagreement between these two ladies in the congregation, uh, and it has gone public. And now it is causing divisions among the church. Maybe it's over how they were going to decorate the sanctuary. I don't know. But the resulting division was actually hindering the work of the church because it was absorbing uh, the energy and the time of those in the church. So what's important from this is to recognize that Satan's strategy is divide and conquer. 
divide and conquer, families, communities, nations. But throughout the letter, Paul emphasizes unity at least 16 times. And if someone emailed you or texted you or you were talking to them in a conversation with them uh, and they used a word or phrase that many times, you would not fail to understand that they were trying to make a point about what they were sharing with you. Now, if you continue the idea of teamwork or cooperation in the church, we're reminded that each one of us has a role to play and each one of us is filling that role. And when we do, the mission is able to move forward. The challenge though in the church is to get many uh, of, our, uh, of our, our brethren out of the bleachers and onto the hardwood, so to speak, and into the game. I mean, yes, there's always a need for cheerleaders, right? There's always a need for encouragement along the way, uh, but we can't those So this idea of teamwork, this idea of cooperation, what's it for? Well, Paul reminds the Philippians it's to produce single-mindedness in mission and motivation single-mindedness so that we press onward toward the goal of making disciples together for the sake of others and the glory of God. And so we are citizens of heaven and called to a consistency in our walk with Christ and before others. We're members of the same team and called to cooperation. But the third essential for us as we face difficulties, as we face hardships and even the enemy himself, uh, is confidence. Confidence that we as the people of God have an assurance unlike any others. The phrase used, uh, Paul uses in verse 28 is without being frightened, right? So if there's an absence of fear, right, then there is a presence of confidence. So what's the imagery here? Well, think, we've gone first from politics, to th then to athletics. And <laughs> this particular illustration is now war, right? Specifically, Paul, when he writes, is thinking of a war horse, as in don't shy away or be frightened by the sound of battle like an untrained war horse will be. So think about the idea of uh, cavalry, right? We're familiar with it, at least in terms of, of history textbooks or in movies, right? This mass tactic of the charge, the, the mighty horses carrying both their rider and destruction with them. But for horses to do that, they have to be trained. Uh, they have to be so highly trained as not to flinch at the sound of cannon or gunfire or even the glint of steel from all the bayonets that are on the other side. And so Paul is saying, look, we don't run blindly into battle, but we're not to be frightened of what God has called us to in Christ Jesus. And this is where he goes full circle uh, to his introduction at the beginning of chapter 1 that there is a warfare occurring and we are called into the thick not in attempts to divide and conquer so think about it this way politics is an idol for many even in the church but Christ this is Lord And because we know this, though, we're able to keep on our guard. 
We're able to watch over our actions and our words uh, and remain unified in our effort together. Or perhaps think of it this way, this idea of confidence. uh, We not only believe in Christ, but we suffer for Christ. Uh, Paul likens it to a fellowship of suffering. And this uh, that he uses reminds me of the Lord of the Rings. You remember the... as well as the blockbuster movies. But the Lord of the Rings and the fellowship of of those gathered from all over Middle Earth, the humans and the dwarves, the the elves and the hobbits, and even the wizards, (laughs) each different, but each adhering to the same belief and goal or vision for the fellowship, and that's the destruction of the ring in Mordor and the defeat of Saruman. But the church is a collection of such characters, right? And we are called within those shared beliefs to a common end goal or vision for the future. But we're reminded that the journey of our fellowship is beset with challenges all along the way, that we are marked out for trouble, but we can be confident in the outcome. You know, if you go back to the text today from Mark chapter 1, the baptism of Jesus, it basically announces the inauguration of Jesus's earthly ministry, right? It's not a eulogy, but it's an inauguration, right? And it illustrates though for us the trouble for him and his followers because immediately he'll be led out into the desert uh, by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. But nonetheless, the baptism of Jesus before us reminds us that as it initiates the start of his earthly ministry, um, we know the outcome of the game. We know who's won the victory. It may be like the referee blowing his whistle to start the action, but we already know the outcome. You know, Luther picked up on this when he said that for us, the trouble begins when we are baptized, when we are marked, when we join that fellowship, when we put on the the team jersey or uniform, we are now identified with Christ and therefore an enemy of Satan and evil but we're also joined then with Paul. We're joined with the Philippian church, the church at Thessalonica and Rome and Corinth and Ephesus, the church around the world and across the ages doing God's great work. Doing God's great work with the assurance that he has given you and me, with the confidence that he has given us individually and as a church, and the the certainty that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That this is the winning team, right? That he is the one who brings victory over death, the one who brings life and light into the world. Let me close with this verse from Revelation chapter 21. Again, uh, listen to it in mind with the idea of, of newness, of renewal, of renovation, of the work of God in us and for us. Revelation 21, 5 he who was seated at the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. So he, he is making, renovating all things new, including you and me. So I can't wait to see the finished results. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue now our service with our confession of faith that's found in the words of the Apostles' Creed.
and then uh, we'll follow that uh, with our prayers on behalf of God's people on the prayer page. Hopefully that you were able to print off uh, today. Uh, that is the page that is also attached to our news and notes and then move into our time of communion. So uh, with one voice, with Christians around the world and across the ages, I invite you to join with me in this confession of faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we know it's not in the best of circumstances for ourselves in the sense that we can't really worship together. Not only is it the renovation, but unfortunately it's COVID. It's this pandemic, Lord, which has beset your creation and which has caused all sorts of confusion, which has upset plans, which has, Lord, discombobulated our lives in such a way that none of us would have thought possible. But your word tells us that you're making all things new, that your word to us is trustworthy and it's true, and that not only can we believe that we have been forgiven, not only can we believe that we have your grace and mercy and the promise of everlasting life, but that even today in this disruption and this discombobulation <laughs> that your faithfulness, your constancy, Lord, your structure and presence is here with us, guiding all things and redeeming all things. So we continue to pray that as a congregation, as individuals, you'd bring us to that place of trust. You'd bring us to a place, Lord, where we can bring to you those prayers which are on our heart and mind today. And so we commit to you our nation. Continue to pray, Lord, for the peaceful transfer of power and the process taking place. We lament, Lord, the lives lost under the free exercise, Lord, of assembly. And continue to pray that we as Christians would steward well these freedoms that you have entrusted to us. And that as we make our opinions and feelings known about what has happened and, and what we believe should happen in the days and months and years to come, that we would do so with words of grace, that we would put the best construction on it with those whom we disagree, and that above all things, we would continue to call people to a relationship in Jesus, reminding ourselves and others that Caesar has no power to save, but only Jesus does. And so, Lord, in a world of upheaval, in a world of uncertainty, help us as the church to be a place of certainty and hope and light and to point people to Christ, who's making all things new. 
We certainly continue to pray for those in our family of faith who are suffering. We remember to Angel Kunkel and her family upon the death of her nephew, Stephen. We remember to the family of Judy Fox upon her passing. We continue to pray for Craig and Linda and Lucille and Devin and Joy and Jerry. We pray for Melody and Bill and Bob and Alicia and Obi and Mary and Chad and Charles and Mary Ann. We commend to you Paul and Tomas and Mitchell and Beverly and JoLynn and Sadie and Baldo and Christy. We continue to pray for Carol and Earl and Seal and Chris and Bonnie. We pray for Jim and Bob and Russ and Marion and Ann. We remember to Lydia and Carol and Rhonda and Marie and Donna and Billy and Ruth and Cammie and Dave and Kim and Mary and Marge and Randy. Our brothers and sisters in need. But we rejoice that you're well aware of the needs that they have and that you're attending to those needs. They're medical through the gift of medical technology and the gift of doctors and nurses and those who work in hospitals, doctors' offices. If it's financial, we know, uh, Lord, that you're providing provision in unexpected and, and joyful ways through loved ones and other means. If it's relational, we know, Lord, you're surprising people, not only with your peace, which surpasses all their understanding, uh, Lord, in their loneliness, uh, but bringing smiles to their faces through the body of Christ as, as we, uh, Lord, send cards and remember uh, those among us uh, who are isolated uh, with gifts and with phone calls um, and uh, well wishes. So whatever the case may be for those, Lord, whom I've named before you, we thank you. We thank you for caring for them, for hearing our prayer and attending to them in their time of need. May they know your love and peace in their lives in a powerful way. We certainly continue to commend, Lord, the renovation process here at the church. Again, thanking you for entrusting us with this gift of newness, asking that you would continue to guide, Lord, as uh, guide us as we uh, seek to be good stewards of the resources that you've entrusted to us, and that at the end of the day, when all is said and done, that um, this space that we have created is a, a welcoming space, uh, a place of hospitality, a place where Jesus is made accessible and made known to those uh, who enter into these doors here. And that as it's, as it's used in multiple ways, from, from worship to uh, VBS and summer camps, that, that all who enter uh, into this place uh, would leave knowing your love, your forgiveness, your grace and power. So as you have entrusted to us uh, this property, we return it to you and continue to pray that you would bless it, not for our sake, but for the sake of the gospel and your good work that you're Lord, we love you. We continue to commend to you those prayers spoken and those left unspoken, trusting in your love for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people say, amen. Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We continue now with the service of the sacraments found on page 7 of your worship folder. And remember, a reminder to all of those of you who are joining us online that if you do wish to participate, in this portion of uh, the worship service, please contact the office this week uh, and we will put together a communion kit for you to pick up 
um, while the office is open. We continue now with uh, the preface found on page 7. The Lord be with you. And lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and eat the body of Christ given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you. Go with his peace and his blessing and in his great joy. We continue now uh, with our congregational singing in Christ alone. Thank you. 
bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Help me, Father, thank you for this meal, this table of grace and belonging, that whether received here in this, your house, or in any number of homes across our community, it's a meal of joy and grace and peace. It's a meal that reminds us of your presence in our lives uh, wherever we're scattered to. So, Lord, encourage us this week as we go wherever you call us to go, to do whatever you call us to do. Encourage us as we simply seek to bear witness to Jesus and his love for the world. Thank you for loving us. We commend ourselves into your care and all God's people say, amen. Receive his blessing. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Close with hymn number 790, Praise to the Lord Almighty. Thank you.